Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. My wife is in the process of applying for United States citizenship. She is from South Africa, but she is quite the patriotic American, except that she isn't a citizen yet. It's quite exciting for us. This will make international travel a lot easier for her as well. But what is a citizen? A citizen belongs to a nation or a kingdom. A nation or a kingdom has to have government. It has to have a group of people. It has to have laws, and it also has to have territory. We are citizens of wherever we live most of the time. I am an American citizen. However, this does bring up some pretty important questions. Citizens of particular countries are often asked to perform certain duties on behalf of those countries. So what do we do if we are asked to fight if we are asked to go to war for the nations where we live this is quite the fascinating question for true christians to answer you might be surprised to learn that god actually says a lot about this we can look at second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. We'll focus mostly on that first part. We are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? He lives in a foreign nation, but he represents his home nation. He is subject to the laws of the nation where he lives, and he has to set a great example on behalf of his home nation. He must keep the laws. He must be an upstanding resident of his new country where he is fulfilling his duties as an ambassador. There are certain things, however, that an ambassador cannot do. An ambassador cannot vote in the nation where he is working. An ambassador cannot take up arms to fight either. And this is exactly what Christ is talking about when he calls us his ambassadors. There is another nation that has to have our top focus and loyalty. Philippians 3 explains a little bit more. 
Philippians chapter 3. This was part of the application process for Anya's American citizenship. She had to explain why she would not go to war if it ever came to the point of being drafted. Philippians 3 verse 20. We have to be able to answer these questions. For our citizenship, it should read, is in heaven, from where also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven because Christ is in heaven. And he is the one who will establish God's kingdom on earth when he returns. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. That is our top priority as Christians. What happens to an ambassador who decides to vote in a foreign nation where he is working? or to take up arms and fight for that nation? Well, the ambassador would lose his citizenship, probably at the very least. In some cases, the punishment could be a lot worse. It could even qualify as treason. That is the way God views our role as his ambassadors, as ambassadors for Christ, where our citizenship is primarily in the coming kingdom of God. And we do not have the right to go to war for America or whatever nation. The other thing about God is that he doesn't need us to fight for him. Mr. Armstrong, the late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong, wrote about how some people are so zealous for their gods that they will go fight for him. They will literally fight physically for their gods. But the true God doesn't require this. God is very capable of defending himself. He doesn't need human beings to fight and die for him in war. In fact, if more people understood this, we would have a lot fewer wars in history. So many wars have been inspired by false religion, fighting for false gods, completely misunderstanding that the real God doesn't want us to fight. Even anciently, the Israelites sometimes fought, but that was really partly just because of their own lack of faith. God would have fought all of those battles for them. The Israelites didn't necessarily have to arm themselves and put on armor and go to war. It was really basically just their choice. And God would still oftentimes assist them anyway. But we do not have to go to war for God physically. However, <laughs> the full answer to that question, should a Christian fight, is a bit more nuanced. 
there is a type of fighting that we actually should do. A type of fighting that will not cost us our citizenship in the kingdom of God. There are certain forms of warfare, methods of battle that we have to learn and we have to put into practice. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is really a life or death spiritual struggle. Wrestling where only one side can win. It's either the good side or the evil side. We have to choose which side we are on. That's Ephesians 6 verse 12. It's about spiritual warfare. Fighting against the evil spirit realm. There are so many devastating problems in the world today because of a devil, because of millions of demons confined to the earth. And we either fight against them or we are enslaved to them. There's really no middle ground. It's one or the other. This is the type of war that Christians do wage. It is a spiritual war. Ephesians 6 verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We have to gear up spiritually for the fight. It is a daily fight. It is a much more deadly fight than even a physical war like the one going on with Ukraine. There are spiritual lives at stake. Physical lives can be recovered in a resurrection, but spiritual lives, once those are lost, are gone forever. That is eternal death. That is what we have to fight against. Ephesians 6 verse 14. Notice here as the Apostle Paul goes into all these different aspects of the whole armor of God. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Truth. What is truth? That is the age-old question. Who decides what is truth? Humans certainly try to be the ones who decide. How is that working out? Is the world a peaceful, pleasant place? as they try so desperately to decide and define truth, God has to define it. God does define it. 
the creator who made everything, gives us this book, the Holy Bible. He explains all of the fundamental, foundational knowledge that we need in this life. He shows us the way to go to obtain every blessing, all kinds of peace and joy. That is the way of truth. The truth is God's law. The truth is the message of the coming kingdom of God, the message that Jesus Christ actually taught, not a message about him. What is truth and how badly do we need truth? God's word is the truth. It is supreme above all other truth. It doesn't matter what my truth, your truth, his truth, their truth is. God's truth is the one that counts. It says also here in Ephesians 6 verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness. This is really being upright, living the right way. Even if everyone around us doesn't. Even if people are throwing tantrums because access to the butchering of the unborn has been restricted. Roe v. Wade has been overturned in the United States, which just means that, well, basically states will decide now who lives and dies. It's still very far off from the truth of the matter that God created all life and only God can decide who lives and dies. Humans still want to decide who lives and dies just on a state level instead of a national level. And you see people just losing their minds over this as if it's the end of the world, as if we cannot live without some sort of twisted right to snuff out the unborn children. Is that righteous? Is dedicating an entire month to sodomy righteous? June, every single year, the month I got married in, the month my firstborn daughter was born, every single year when my family is celebrating or remembering milestones, the world is pushing filth, not righteousness. They're wallowing in filth. Ephesians 6 verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Really, this is about running all over the world to deliver the true gospel message, the message that Christ himself taught, that all the apostles taught, that God's apostle today is teaching, the message supported by God's work today. And we all have a part in delivering this message. 
being excited, being filled with this message and wanting to share it with other people the right way, of course, not by going door to door and invading people's privacy to force the truth on them, but anyone who wants the truth needs to be able to access it because we are doing everything we can to run around the world and deliver this message, this truth. Ephesians 6, verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you see, every part of the body must be protected spiritually in this spiritual war. We need strong faith. We need a shield of faith to remember God's promises. He promises not just salvation, but healing, physical healing. We have to fully understand that promise to believe that it is true. Obviously, some people do get sick or injured and end up dying as a result. Does that nullify God's healing promise? We have a booklet available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, The Plain Truth About Healing. How many people have lost faith because they couldn't see the truth about the healing promise and how that promise is ultimately fulfilled? It has been fulfilled. That promise has never been broken. But we have to understand these promises in order to have strong faith. Faith transcends physical evidence. We want to see the proof, but the proof is that God said it. That is all the proof we need, and we can know that these promises will be upheld. God said so, and he cannot lie. The helmet of salvation, protecting our minds from evil, by wearing this helmet of salvation, keeping our future in mind. God is a family. He wants a massive, endless family. And he's inviting human beings to be a part of that. What could be better than that? What else would we rather put into our minds than that? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's part of our armor. It's a weapon. Really, a shield can also be used as a weapon. You can hit with a shield. You can hit with your shield of faith. You can also slice with your sword of the spirit, with God's word. The Bible is a sharp two-edged sword. It cuts not only the enemy, but it can cut us too if we don't wield it properly. If we don't stick to what the Bible actually says, if we, if we live based on our preconceived notions of what the Bible says instead of actually 
sticking to the truth. The Bible can cut us. We will suffer for pretending to follow the Bible when actually we're just doing our own will. And then notice Ephesians 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And he continues, the apostle Paul, talking about praying for him, praying for God's man, praying for the work that the message continues to go out, that God continues to open doors. This whole armor of God doesn't mean much without prayer. So while a Christian doesn't fight physically, he certainly must fight spiritually. He must learn to resist unto blood like Jesus Christ did. Christ sweated blood while he was a human being so he could avoid sin. You can also get a free copy of how to be an overcomer at thetrumpet.com. You'll notice that the cover of that booklet is a weary, battle-hardened soldier. He's bloody, but he has won the battle. God empowers us to win spiritual battles every single day. We don't go fight for our nations because those are the works of the flesh. Nations go to war to take from each other. They're motivated by hatred and lust. James chapter 4. Galatians 5 shows that quarreling and violence, division, are all just human works. We need the fruits of God's Holy Spirit. We need peace. We have to be the ultimate peacemakers. Certainly not by fighting in wars for our nations. But at the same time, God expects us to go to battle spiritually. Putting on that whole armor of God, as Ephesians 6 talks about. We are fighting for a different kingdom a better kingdom. We should love our nations, but our ultimate loyalty must lie with God. It must lie with God's kingdom. We must remember that Christians are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ, representing a different nation first, setting an example, being a light to the world, and only fighting when that fighting is spiritual, when we are resisting the devil. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.